Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little odd. This is the episode of Oddcast, Movies, Music and Games. And here I am with uh, Dreadful Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm good, thank you. Very well. How are you? Yes, yes, not so bad. So um, tell us, uh, what have you been up to this week? Um, Been listening to the new OC's album and Mm -hmm. I just did a video on it, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's called Protein Threats. I don't know if you've heard about it yet. Only from you. Nowhere else. (laughs) I really liked it. It's um, a bit more stripped back than the last few albums, which have been kind of like a bit more, getting a bit more proggy and lengthy. Mm. Um, and the songs on this are shorter, all kind of like around three minutes. Um, Did you say it was called Protein Threat? No, I've heard a lot of people calling it that, but it's Protein Threat. Okay. As in protein, as in like undefined, ever-changing. But mm. loads of people have been like, so this album, Protein Threat. I'm like, I just keep imagining like those are peanuts being cast at someone. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just thinking like cows or when you get those like muscle shakes like this, which I put my water in, yeah. whatever, just like attacking you there. Um, oh, okay, nice. Anything, uh, anything else? Anything else you've been listening to, watching, um, touching, <laughs> clicking? Won't go that far. There's only so much we need to divulge on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, that's about it. I can't think of anything else. Nice. Um, yeah, I listened to a random playlist full of songs that I thought were all right. And I can't seem to remember anyone <laughs> who was on it. 
but it's all people I hadn't heard of. So I need to go back and just kind of check that out and just put a few things that um, I liked. Uh, Whose playlist was that? It was someone who contacted me through my um, legacy Instagram and was like, oh, um, I can't even remember, like, can you put this post up or can you do X, Y, Z or something? Because I get a few of these every now and then. Um, and then I was basically like, yeah, okay, um, but can you put me on your playlist? And they were like, yeah, okay, cool. And I hadn't even looked at it. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, there's actually cool stuff on here. Um, so, yeah, I need to kind of check it out. Was it synthwave stuff? Yeah, it's like, it's a bit of a mix. It's generally electronic, but it's, some of it's like quite moody, atmospheric, synthy stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll dig some out and I'll, I'll see if I can bring it to a, we haven't done a hit and a shit for a while. Yeah. So I might do it to them. Um, yeah, I've been watching a lot of stuff. I watched um, a really shit film called The Gentleman, which is that Guy Ritchie. Um, oh, I saw, yeah, I did see the adverts for it. I totally yeah, forgot about that completely. It's, yeah, it's got Matthew McConaughey, Hugh Grant, Charlie Hunnam or whatever his name is. It's just so dire. It's dreadful. It's like, well, how are they still churning this shit out? Like, it's fucking Guy Ritchie, early 90s shit. Still oh, doing my. it. Really well, bad. like, everyone's a gangster in the East End of yeah. London. Yes, it's exactly that. Mm. Um, and really, really awful. Um, and then they had, uh, and then watched um, Social Dilemma on Netflix, which is a documentary basically saying how uh, social media is going to be the end of us, pretty okay. much. And it was like, okay. Um, but it wasn't really anything new. Like if you keep tabs, if you generally understand how Facebook and Instagram, which is Facebook anyway, um, and Twitter, whatever, and how these things work and how basically like you're the product, then it's not really going to be news to you. But there was stuff like um, like the suicide rates of like young girls like just went through the roof basically when like Instagram and social media like took off. Um mm and all this stuff, uh, and all that was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, it's just a bit of a horrible thing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I watched um, a horrible, horrible film last night called American Fa- uh, American Murder, Family Next Door. <laughs> sounds horrible, sounds horrible. It was, a, it was a true crime thing, right? Yeah. And I, when I started watching it, I was like, yeah, I've seen something about this before. And I realised, I think it was on like one of the like forensic files or some of the shitty murder things that I watch. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I remember this. But the way they've done it is that they haven't done like interviews or like, you know, a narrator going like on August the 12th, blah, 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 or whatever. Or like, yeah, I saw her for like that evening and she was wearing this and I was like, it's none of that, right? It's all archival footage. So it's all like body cams from the cops mm. and like security footage and like um, news footage or whatever. So, yeah. and they've kind of done it with like f- um, Facebook videos and like messages and all this stuff. So there's no actual like narration throughout the whole thing. Mm. It's all just like a put together like that. It was truly and, found, kind of found footage. Yeah, kind of found footage style. And, um, which was good. And it was a good documentary, but you know, cause I've got two young kids myself. Yeah. It's not something I really should have watched. Blimey. <laughs> yeah. It was like afterwards I was like, I really wish I hadn't watched that. I think wow. that's horrible. Um, but it was a good documentary. So if you are not a parent or you just like your true crime or whatever, then go crazy. But, um, otherwise I was like, this is a bit, don't like this. Um, bit too, yeah. bit too nasty. Yeah, yeah. It was like, okay, I was thinking, is this going to turn out the way you think it's going to turn out? 
And you're thinking, well, maybe there's no, no, okay, oh, right, okay, yeah, it's dreadful and horrible and everything. Um, anyway, yeah, so I watched that. So that's that's kind of it. Just been watching a bit bit of that and catching up on the boys. I'm always banging on about boys, but that's been really good. And they're coming out weekly now. I'm up to date, so that's cool. Are you talking about um, your testicles? My testicles, the boys. Uh, there they are. There they are. I'm just going to... Oh, yeah, there they are. <laughs> Let them out weekly for an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Enjoy that. Um, and that's it. So, uh, Dan, as, as we have... Um, discussed uh, just before we came on we've actually decided to kind of jump into our own schedule where last week we said we're going to do itchy the killer but this week saw the release of um the was it well it wasn't this week sorry it was um last friday wasn't it this time last week yeah um that idols released their new album ultra mono and we thought you know what we'll jump in and we'll kind of go through it because it's getting a lot of traction and i know people are Exactly. People are just begging to know what we think. They can't, <laughs> they can't stop. They're not texting, texting. They're not tweeting or like messaging us or anything like that. But I know, I know they're desperate to hear what we think about it. They're literally hammering my door down. Mm, yeah, just with their thoughts though, not physically doing it. But if they, <laughs> if they were, just, you know, I know. Their thought fist. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't like the sound of that. Um, so yeah, anyway, let's uh, take a look at Idol's Ultra Mono. background of you and idols do you like them for a start that'd be a good start yeah <laughs> um i first heard them when what was it at the end of 2017 i think their first album brutalism mm. yeah um and it was in some of the like end of year roundups and i thought oh, that sounds like something i'd enjoy and i did like it and i think i usually do at the end of the year like a top 20 my favorite mm. albums and i included it in that and then for some reason, I kind of went off them a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really, I mean, I didn't, I didn't actively hear anything. I just was a bit unengaged, I suppose, and saw all the hype and everything. Um, and I kept thinking, oh, I need to get around to listening to that uh, Joy as an Act of Resistance, and yeah. it didn't happen. So I was coming into listening to this album, again, seeing even more hype. Um, so maybe a little bit sceptical, actually, because when I see that level of hype, I think, blimey, here we go. And I thought, Brutalism, it was good. It wasn't that good. Mm. Um, and maybe they've just sort of exploited a bit of a gap in the market for that kind of, like, noisy kind of post-punk stuff. So, yeah, looking forward to looking forward to hearing it and maybe just, yeah, a little, little kind of wary going in, but ready to like it. Yeah. Yeah? Well... If people listening, they might remember I had a bit of a weird thing with them because I'd heard some of their stuff and I just didn't like it at all. And I thought it was a bit dated and a bit shit. And then um, I think I saw them do something live and I was like, oh, I quite like this actually. And then I saw their Glastonbury set um, from 2019 and I was like, oh, I get it now. Like, okay, yeah, actually I do quite enjoy this. Um, and what then... I think it was more um, the getting the kind of vibe and energy. Like from before, I thought it was more 
how do I put this? Like, um, it didn't felt as like authentic, if that makes sense. Not that I particularly, and I'll kind of go on to that a bit later down the line, but um, I just thought it was a bunch of like, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of that one, but like Art Brute or something like that, that um, it was all like a bit wank, like doing it for the sake of like, you know, shouting about, um, you know, like don't fight a man with a perm or whatever and shouting about like going for a fight or whatever. And it's all like this, woo, 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 and all like, yeah, you know, these big kind of choruses. And I was just like, yeah. like, it just feels like it doesn't feel real. I I, yeah, exactly. And then when I saw them do it live and then it was like, they were talking in between it and I was listening to lyrics. And I was like, okay, there's a bit more happening here than I actually gave it credit for. And then also, um, I started thinking, I liked the actual songs and the music. And I thought I quite like the way, like as I'm listening to the guitars, they're like quite, everything's quite messy, but it all seems to like come together. And I was like, the drumming's really good. And I was just watching it going, yeah, I get it now. Like I get the energy, the vibe, what they're saying, what they're about and all that stuff. And it just kind of clicked um, where it hadn't clicked before. And I think it was because I was listening to them in the middle of a lot of shit where I was trying to find new stuff and it kind of got mixed into that. And every, all new stuff is just shit these days. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it kind of got tarnished with that same brush. Uh, so it's weird that it just went from like me not really liking that song to like me really enjoying that song um, extremely quickly. And that's it really. So like I um, got in quite late. So I think Joy had just been released probably, um, which would have made sense. And uh, um, yeah, and I just kind of took a massive jump off into that album. And I think, yeah, because we went through our top albums and we have last year or whatever. And I think yeah. I put it was number one or number two. Of the decade, wasn't it? We did. And I put that like oh, really we did high that up. decade, yeah. Um, and I, put, I think that was really high for me. So, uh, yeah. So I, I was obviously waiting for this album with, um, you know, wet lips. <laughs> it's not really the saying, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, have to make, we have to keep it kid friendly. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, the real creepier. saying is something far worse. Yeah, exactly. Popular English idiom, waiting with a wet cock. <laughs> no one. No one says that. Do if you're one of our that? listeners in uh, India or, or Russia, uh, use popular, it. Popular English expression that you can use. Waiting with a wet cock. Hey, do you want a cup of tea? Oh, yeah, I've been waiting here with a wet cock for ages. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mum, I just told you. Uh, <laughs> what do you what do you want for Christmas, Jimmy? <laughs> I can't wait, mummy. <laughs> yeah, what what is it? My my cock's all wet. <laughs> so, wait, wait in here with a wet 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 wet, wet cock. <laughs> Jimmy Jimmy? Ah, yeah. Um, yeah, no one says that. <laughs> but use it. Don't know, let's make it a thing. Um, okay, so let's let's kind of let's uh, get into it then. I should say that I don't know. How do you want to do this? Should we go just? Should we just go straight in, track by track, and then think of put our thoughts in afterwards? Yeah. One thing I thought was worth mentioning before we get going. I don't know much of the background of this, but I was intrigued by um, a little hype sticker I saw. Mm. That said, like featuring Jamie Cullum and David Yao. Mm. So, anyone who listened to the Scratch Acid episode we did a few weeks ago knows that I'm a massive fan of David Yao. 
Mm. Um, so I got super excited when I saw that. That got my dick twitching. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> But then I was like, Jamie Cullum, who is like this little kind of piano <laughs> ballad sap. Hasn't done anything for like a million years. Did he marry like some like really tall supermodel or something? Sophie Dahl, I think. No, that's it. Yeah, I think it was Sophie Dahl. But then I just thought, wow, what's going to happen? You've got, how can there be an album with these two people mm. on, the, on, that, on the same album? So, yeah, I'm kind of like interested to see how they uh, pop up. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, well, let's just kind of get into it. So, um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit for these for the, uh, guys out there as well. So the first track is War. Let's have a listen. What is it good for? Something. Or nothing. I don't know. What did you think? <laughs> I loved it. I thought this was a great start to the album. Yeah. Um, this really, you know, like I said, I was coming in a bit sceptical. And this really won me over. and mm-hmm. really put me in a mood to, yeah, I was excited for the next song. Mm. Um, it's cool. It's got this quite, quite surfy kind of guitar. It's okay. A bit, a bit like the cramps, I thought. And then, mm-hmm. and then interrupted by those kind of like just the drums only parts, um, much more stripped back in the arrangement than I was anticipating. Um, and I like that. You have that excitement and then like hold, hold you in that little drum bit and then release yeah. again. So that's like really satisfying. Mm. Um, yeah, really cool song. Yeah. I thought it was a solid opener. Um, I did think, and I feel like with their last two albums as well, the first song has always kind of set the tone quite nicely. Um, and it does it here. Uh, I thought it sounded very Mets. I know oh, they yeah. toured with Mets. Um, and some of the drum sounds generally in this album were quite similar. Um, I had a few problems with it though. Uh, mainly, it felt a little bit like constant for a start, which I don't really mind, but... Um, it became a bit of a, like, hashtag spoiler, it became a bit of a theme throughout the album where I was like, it feels like it's, it's almost too simple. Like, there's not, at points, I was just like, there's not really that much kind of going on for me. And also, I just didn't, re- I did not like the lyrics here. They're like, you know, boy, is it bang, bang, that's the sound uh, of a gun, whatever, whatever it was, and all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's very simple. It's almost infantile. Huh. And I was like, uh, okay. And I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of deal with it. Like, it's almost like a children's book, but you know, fine. Um, and I don't know, but it's just that every time I listen to it, I just cringe a little bit. Um, apparently I think it's supposed to be about like the inner conflicts, the war within oneself. Uh-huh. Um, I've just put it, yeah. Like I like the cool drum solo in the middle. I like just the random screaming at points. It feels very cathartic. Um, it's angry, but it does have like a bit of a levity within it. Um, I like the idea that it's like, he's got this internal war, but he's like anti-war, like that war, anti-war thing. I don't know. Like that's kind of what I was reading into anyway. Like he's anti-war in terms of like, you know, society or whatever, but, um, he's got that war raging in himself. Um, so 
I was like, okay, this is good and I'm enjoying it. But I was like, uh, then I like, I was, I, I maybe wanted something a bit more, but I was like, it's still good. It's still good. So there's still like, there's still hope, but I was like, <laughs> I just wish there was, um, it's like, it's good. It's good. I kept saying to myself, it's like, I like a song. I do like it, but I thought it would be better, but it's fine because I like it. There's, um, it was a bit like that as I was listening uh, to it. That's a shame. So, I mean, it exceeded my expectations, but it didn't meet yours. No, I think I went in with this with really high bar, and I think that's gonna you're gonna kind of hear more of that as we kind of work right to do the album. Um, okay, well, the next track um, is Grounds. Let's have a listen. Was, um, I don't know if you remember, they actually, I can't remember if this was the first, but one of the like first songs basically that were, was released um, before the album came out. Okay. Um, what do you think? Uh, again, I really like this one. Um, I really like the lurch of this one. It's got a really fucked up groove. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sam's just sneezed. Um, I think possibly that was an, an escape of all that pent up <laughs> excitement. Uh, at least it came out the uh, came out the my right nose this time. An <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> olfactory emission. Um, yeah, you know, a bit like I said about scratch acid and the Jesus lizard. You know, I like a dirty kind of like lurch, like a, a bit of a seedy groove. And I felt like this had that it kind of you know it's lumbering along, um, and it also had the kind of like dirt of a prodigy track, like a later prodigy track, like mm-hmm. around the era of. Um, is my enemy um and i liked that it's got this this, and like the drums and this is a a comment you know for the whole album the drums are so in your face and up front and crisp and i think i read like they work with hip-hop producer that's right yeah yeah. whatever he's brought to that drum sound is like fantastic um and here they kind of like resemble like the rat-a-tat-tat of gunfire Mm -hmm. um it almost doesn't sound like a song, though. This like the way it's been arranged, but but that's what I like about it. It's been r- arranged in a really strange fashion. Um, it's quite skeletal. Um, so, but me for me, really interesting, and really, like I said, we've got, got a really good vibe. Um, the only thing I didn't like, um, I, I'm going to keep picking up on this probably. Um, yeah, vocals here. Sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. Here for me, this is a bit more of that kind of like something you'd sing in the football stands. Charting. He kind of goes, if, there's like a line and sometimes he crosses on the wrong side of it. Sometimes it's like angry and sometimes it just sounds like yobbish hooliganism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like it was a bit more on that side. Yeah. Um, so I think like one of the, main problems I had with it um, with this album sorry and kind of what you're talking about 
which I which I do agree with, is that I felt like this album is something like they wanted to make an Idols album instead of like they wanted to make an album. Does that make sense? Mm. So it feels like this is what they should be doing. This is what they should be talking about rather than it feels much less honest in my opinion. Um, just lyrically. Well, yeah, just both, but in terms of sound as well. Um, it's like, it, I, for me, the whole thing, I was going to kind of sum this up a bit at the end, but a lot of these songs just feel like rushed or like, you know, there's not enough, like not enough thought has kind of gone into them properly, which is very easy for me to say, but it, it's, um, it doesn't feel like uh, that they've been able to kind of sit down with it and maybe play around with it and create 12 songs um, that, you know, are like the the best they can do or whatever. It felt more like, okay, we'll kind of play this through. Oh, we've got a song. Right, next. Um, which is sometimes fine for people, but uh, yeah, um, I don't know. So yeah, sometimes with this singing slash shouting, however you want to say it, um, it does, I'm kind of thinking, I feel like he's doing this because he feels like that's what he's supposed to be doing. And a lot of like what I like about Idols is that if you look at their like general, um, you know, discography or whatever, a general um, body of work, it's actually quite varied. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, with um, with Grounds, I didn't like this the first time I heard it. Um, I thought that electronic sound is all right. I was a bit worried it was going to go off into like, well, like we talked about the other day, like with Wild Beasts, where it just suddenly there's like electronic stuff. And to be honest, yeah. the ultra mon- mono logo is like yeah. that Wild Beasts, like 80s yeah. logo. Um, Metallic chrome thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, I think as well, like we've been keeping tabs on idols. Um, I think it's it Bodhi, wherever the guitar guy is. Um, I think he's got like a bit pedal wanky. Like I saw them when they did that Abbey Road live thing and I've been kind of, um, yeah, just when I've been watching stuff, whatever. And it just seems as if he's just suddenly gone a bit pedal mad, which some guitarists do do. And they're like, they want to create all these like crazy effects. And that's kind of what that electronic sound is. It's just a pedal. It's not an actual, it's not keyboard or anything, which is fine. And again, that's absolutely fine. But um, I was just like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a sound. They've kind of based a song around it almost. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, in terms of like, yeah, so lyrically as well, like he's talking about, you know, unity and strength in numbers. Um, it's, he's almost kind of speaking against like tribalism in terms of, you know, everyone's different, but it doesn't mean you can't stand together. Basically, it's kind of like the meaning that I was kind of getting from this. We're all different, but, you know, we, we can all come together. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, but I just feel like as a song, it doesn't really go anywhere um it's it's fine it's an okay song but again i've not nothing's like hit me in the face yet it's been like okay this is cool it's like okay mm-hmm. this is a, a decent track but um it's not uh the most inspiring put it that way just to comment on those um lyrics for the first two songs mm. you know what you've said about both of them it's quite um it's quite tropey yeah isn't it? it? It sounds like the work sometimes of an adolescent yeah. in his like uh, discussion of these kind of like social political issues. Yeah, well, there's an ideology. Like, there was, I was reading one thing before this album came out, which basically was saying how sometimes um, uh, Joe, oh my God, Joe Tumner, I can't remember his name, Joe Talbot, um, 
sometimes just sounds like someone that's just heard about like Karl Marx or something like that. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and like the, and there was that whole thing with, um, oh God, what are they called? This other punk band. Um, I can't remember their name. Seaford. Oh, the Sleaford Mods. Sleaford Mods. That's it. Yeah. And they said that idols are basically reappropriating working class. Um, right. Uh, like you know, cultural defiance or whatever, um, and it kind of got their sticks, their backs up a little bit because essentially they all come from like quite middle class backgrounds, and they're talking about like you know, fuck you, you know, Tories, and like you know, save the working class and yeah. all this stuff, um, and and they got a bit annoyed about it. But there is an element where I'm like, well, yeah, like. And so partly, like lyrically, I like it when they're talking about, of Joe, I suppose, as a lyricist and singer, is putting across ideas and notions through everyday life mm. rather than just out and out hitting it on the nose, on the head. Yeah. And this is something that comes up again and again in this album. And it sounds like someone who's like, right, okay, we found that people resonated with that, um, the idea of... Uh, um, you know, like the underdog or like, you know, fuck the system kind of thing. People enjoyed that and they enjoyed like the, you know, anti-toxic masculinity and all these kind of, you know, political, social, political, whatever, um, ideas. And instead of like basing them into the work, I'm going to just talk about them directly. Mm, yeah. But in a very ideological, like not actually that interesting way, which yeah. um, I found quite infuriating. It's not um, been filtered. Uh, to, for me, it's yeah, it's a bit cringeworthy at points in this album, mm-hmm. and it does detract from my enjoyment of the songs. Yeah, for me, it's 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 the weakest part of this record. Mm. Yeah, I agree, and it's and there's some bits where it works actually, and you know, I'll kind of comment in when it does. But um, uh, yeah, like for the most part, I was just like, why are they doing this? And I, I was kind of I liked it on the last album because I was like, it's more. Um, it's more like, yeah, every day it's, it's, that's the, that's what I really like about art generally sometimes for the most part, especially when films do it, is you're taking big ideas and you put them into small relatable situations. And when you're just talking, when you're just shouting about the big ideas, it doesn't work. Basically it's too on the nose and no one, yeah, like can relate to it or, you know, it's just, it's easy to do basically. And it's not really art at that point. Um, Show, don't tell people. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, Otherwise, it's just an essay or a tract. Yeah, and that's it. And this feels just very. Um, it feels like patronising, pedantic, like being talked out. Like they know, like they know, and you know, they're telling. It's like you're not really saying anything particularly <laughs> profound or anything like that. Um, a collection of Instagram posts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, found it yeah. slightly annoying. But anyway, let's move on a, to... A bit of a drubbing there for old Joe. Yeah, sorry. It was... Um, but it's true though. Like, you know, but it's... it's What's more annoying about it is that he's... It's not like he can't do it. Yeah. He, he can, but I just feel like he was maybe doing what he felt like he should be doing mm. rather than doing what he wanted to be doing or that was personal. Like when you think about... Um, uh, you know, like the first album was written, whatever, when he was, when his mum had just died and all this stuff. And there was things in there about it, like, and, you know, even with Joy, where it's about, um, was it the track June about his, like, um, his miscarried daughter, basically, um, and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's just that element of, 
it felt very personal and honest. Yeah. And I, and I liked that and it dealt with like depression or whatever, or, you know, general masculine tropes or whatever, but it did it in a, a much more of, a, I don't know, like an approachable way than mm. it does with this album. Um, but yeah, let's go on to track three anyway. And with Mr. Motivator. GMTV. <laughs> I do. Good morning, television. <laughs> yeah. So for people that don't know, seeing as um, a lot of our listeners from the States, Mr. Motivator was a early morning fitness guy. Um, he was this uh, like huge black guy in tight spandex that was very colourful, um, very 90s. And the whole thing is he would, you know, do your morning workout. It's but, a bit like um, MC Hammer. Yeah. Without Why? talent. <laughs> Why was he like MC Hammer? He had the glasses and a moustache as well. And he had, it, had all that bright 90s kind of... MC colors. Hammer had glasses and a moustache? Yeah. Did he? You think it was someone else? <laughs> I don't know if they could have that. I don't know a moustache. Yeah. A moustache. Um, yeah. Uh, but it was, a lot of, it was a lot of dancing, wasn't it? It was a lot of like dancing. Um, yeah. He had stuff. a video called BLT. Bums, legs, and tums. And, that was uh, one of the best-selling fitness videos of the nineties or something. Yeah, I swear. Because <laughs> my mum had it, and I swear <laughs> it was like it was. There was something on TV about like, yeah, like Mr. Motivator's thing is the, the craze or whatever, um, sweeping the nation. Uh, but yeah, so this is well, the, the. They had a they had a poster for bums, legs, and tums mm. in the town where I lived in Castleton Beaches. And this video came out in what, 1994? Maybe. Maybe. And it was still there until about three years ago. I think whoever <laughs> owns that like advertising space, I don't know what, what, what happened. I don't know. Maybe they got liquidized or something, but someone forgot it was there and never took it down or replaced it. Yeah, that's, um, doesn't, everyone's just thinking, well, no one's, <laughs> no one's walking past it anyway. Everyone's seeing one it, guy. And rushing out and going, there isn't even a video section anymore left in the <laughs> supermarket. I can't yeah. get Mr. Motorway to BLT. What do you mean, Woolworths? <laughs> What's Woolworths? Um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, Mr. Motivator was, uh, that was his kind of thing. And it was all very um, upbeat and positive. And yes. I imagine that's why they've talked about it in this song. Because um, we're of their generation, I suppose, that would remember all that. Oh, yeah. So, um, what did you think of the song anyway? Yeah, I liked it, but I thought this was a bit more run-of-the-mill. Um, so it didn't really excite me. Um, but I liked, you know, obviously the reference to Mr. Motivator. They then go on to, this is a bit more like, humorous lyrically, lots of references to kind of like specific or obscure um, British public figures and celebrities. So I liked there's a reference to Delia Smith, mm -hmm. who was a celebrity cook. 
Um, well, the owner of Norwich Football Club. Yeah. And there's a nice reference to Tracy Emin listening to The Fall, yeah. one of my favourite bands. On an um, un- unmade bed. Obviously a reference to her very famous, um, what it won, the, uh, what's it prize? Turner. Turner Prize, that's right, didn't it? And, for and then it got burnt down. Bedroom, did it? It got burnt. Yeah. And, uh, and her tent. Which is fine because uh, it's a conceptual piece of art. So there's no actual beauty in it itself. So burn it to the ground. That's what I say. Um, anyway, and there's a reference to David Attenborough, which was nice. Although I thought if they wanted some like cool cred, they should have gone with David Bellamy. <laughs> That'd be a bit different. That's so such a specific niche reference. <laughs> Of, of our generation and of our the fact that we're English. Um, yeah, David Bellamy was like a wildlife presenter for kids, basically, <laughs> who looked a little bit like the granddad from Only Force and Horses, if anyone um, remembers that. the, uh, the Or the uncle, I should say, not the granddad, because the granddad died. It was the uncle. Um, so specific. Um Poor old Bellamy, he hasn't been on TV in 25 years and no one ever mentions what happened to him. And yeah, well, it's not left out in mentions. The, <laughs> left out mention. in the wild somewhere. Yeah, exactly where he belongs. He Probably came in. a TV show and never came back and no one bothered to <laughs> ask where he'd gone. Yeah. Travelled back in time and <laughs> did only fools and horses. Um, yeah, Mr. Motivator. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought it's a bit, um, it's a bit more fun and high tempo. Um, I thought the main riff sounds like a Mets throwaway or like a Mets interlude guitar riff. Um, and yeah, I quite like the ridiculous kind of pop culture references. Um, it feels very like, I don't know. I was like, is it quite a little bit like Morrissey in the terms of like taking that like quaint British kind of culture almost and playing with it? Um, and it's, but it's got like a bit more of an imagination maybe behind it in terms of these little like vignettes. Um, and yeah, just saying like, you know, your Joe Cal fucking Saugi, um, who's a boxer that did very well, um, who's Welsh actually, I think. And, um, yeah. uh, the idea that it's like pumping you up, like, you know, you're ready to go. Um, you know, it's all about the confidence he says at one point, um, I thought it was all right. Like I quite like the way the, I like the verses more than anything. And also like they, the way the guitar like bends into tune. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like it's kind of tripping on itself, which is quite nice. Mm. Um, and the chorus is okay, but uh, generally speaking, again, it's an okay song. So for me, I'm kind of three songs in, I'm like, I've got three okay songs. Um, My scorecard's looking a bit better than yours. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mr. Motivator. Um, so the next one is Anxiety. Let's have a quick listen to that. Anxiety. Anxiety. That. Oh. <laughs> I 
but you're going to say, I've got an anxiety that you're going to hate this song. No. Um, Come on, what, what do you think? I didn't hate it, but I have put pretty standard. Um, and I feel like after Mr. Motivator, they're settling into some unremarkable kind of run-of-the-mill stuff here. Mm. Yeah, it was, um, it was for me, like, again, we we're talking about earlier, like, it's just two on the nose. Like, why have a song where the whole song is basically going, anxiety, and that's, oh my God. And it just goes on and on. And it's like, why not, instead of just singing, I've got anxiety, like an idiot, <laughs> like, why not talk about, like, I don't know, like be a bit more clever with it. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I just thought it's like, you know, describe anxious feelings or whatever um, but it's just kind of one note it's one build and then it's trying to build up this tension and have a bit of relief at the end but it doesn't really do it and every time like I, I've listened to it a few times now and I'm just like oh my god it's still going it's like you know it's just like okay you've got anxiety it's like is this supposed to be like the feeling of anxiety supposed to be representing and I was thinking no not really it doesn't really work in that way either um it's pretty boring track, really. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's boring in every way, like musically and in terms of what he's trying to say and lyrically. It's like, you know, Christ. I mean, like, I want to make a song about anxiety. Okay, what's the lyrics? I've got anxiety. And then what's next? Anxiety. <laughs> okay, wow. Profound. Well done. Um, yeah, so this it really annoyed me because at this point I was like, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel like it's a clever idol song. This feels like something they've cobbled together because it's like, you know, people have gone, oh, talking about, you know, like depression and, you know, all these kind of mental health issues. It's like, all right, well, let's do one called anxiety. And then it's, I've got anxiety. And it's like, well, can't you do something? You know, can't you, what are you doing? Yeah, a bit lazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, even a little bit cynical. Well, that's it. And it's a kind of thing where if you're, you know, as you know, we've written songs, but you know, sometimes you have something and it sticks and you're just like, I don't really want to change it because it's like stuck. I've kind of sung that or whatever, or it feels like the rhythm works and the melody yeah. kind of works of the actual words themselves. Anything. Okay, fine. Um, but end of the day, that's us doing whatever. Um, and I think, you know, if we're making like a hit record, I'd be a bit more like, well, let's, you know, what are we trying to, you know, it's fine for like a placeholder but um, I don't know. Just like, yeah, it. exactly. Put a bit more thought into it. It's exactly it. Um, anyway, that's my that's my opinion. Uh, um, well, the yeah. next song's a bit better, I thought. Yeah, and here comes your mate Jamie Cullum. So let's have a listen to <laughs> "Kill Them with Kindness." starts with I assume Jamie Cullum 
because there's some nice piano tinkling. Um, You'd be correct, yes. And that forms, I thought that forms a nice intro to the song. Um, although it's kind of a bit, um, what's the word? It's a bit of a novelty. It's a bit, of to- bit tokenistic. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't really factor into then the rest of the song. I don't think Jamie comes back. It's almost like he happened to be walking past the studio and they were like, oh yeah, let's get Jamie in, do a few, tickle a few ivories. Uh, yeah, and then, oh, just stick it on the beginning of that. That'd be all right. Um, but I did like it and made the track stand out a bit more. But this is a good one. I've put good rabble-rousing beat. Mm. And then the riff, again, going back to what I said about those first two songs, you know, I like something where there's a little bit of uh, something nasty in there, you know, and this riff, there's something obnoxious about it. You know, it's like Mm. needling you. Mm. (laughs) It's not pleasant, and it was repeating and repeating. Um, And then, of course, the pièce de résistance, we get David Yao, uh, on the chorus, making his horrible catawall. So, uh, that was what he was. That was him. Was it? I was into this. Yeah, it was. Um, like you said, Jamie Cullum just felt tagged on. Just, I would rather, like, especially with the last one, it's like just go straight into it. I, I don't mind having these little interludes or whatever, little bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, as you said, it didn't really like feel like it fit. And I guess it's like piano kind of shows a tenderness and it's all about being kind. I mean, you, you can maybe draw that yeah. from it. Um, yeah. But maybe, perhaps. Yeah, that main riff, I don't mind. I think it's all right. Yeah. Um, quite a good message of being like, you know, a lover, not a fighter. Um, and, you know, the idea, of, you know, I like that kind of stuff better where it's like, you know, exactly, kill him with kindness, like turn the other cheek kind of thing. It's not all about you know, fighting or whatever. And it's a bit difficult because stuff like this with the idols, especially is that it can't, you know, I know a lot of people have said this who have gone to like their gigs or whatever, is that um, it's kind of been appropriated by like that kind of hooliganistic macho male, um, you know, white basically um, thing, which is what they're kind of trying to be against. And yet Mm. it's all like this, kind of shouty, screamy, like bar fight, kind of like mob mentality yeah. almost behind it that um, like angry young men would probably cling to. And it's interesting to do it if you're trying to give them the message. But sometimes I think, I think that message just gets, I don't know, like lost. Um, but and you're going to have that, you know, you can't do anything about that, I, I, I suppose. But um yeah, I don't know. don't really know where I'm going with that. But again, it doesn't really feel... Um, this song doesn't really feel too fully formed. I thought it was quite... It got a bit boring after a while because it's kind of that one note. And that, the drums, are, I feel like the drum is just doing exactly the same throughout the whole song, pretty much. Um, and after a while, I remember listening to the drumming, just going, God, if I was that drummer, I would be fucking bored by the end of this song. It's so <laughs> nothing. Um, but again, I didn't mind it. I liked, I liked the riff. I thought it was okay. Um, it was better than anxiety that's just come before it. But as you can imagine, like we're getting to the halfway point now. And um, as I've been listening to it, I'm like, I've just heard a bunch of okay songs and one quite bad song. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, indeed, indeed. So I suppose, so, go on. I'm guessing this would maybe, if you're listening to a uh, LP, this might be the point at which you have to flip the record. 
So maybe. you'd be thinking, hopefully side two gets better. Yeah. Well, let's find out. Let's listen to the next track, Model Village. Village is actually probably my favourite track on the album. Um, why, is that? why is that? It's a good point. The pace kind of picks up, I think. Um, I love the kind of narrative of that small town England. Um, it feels a bit more layered as a song itself. There's a bit more kind of variety in it. Um, I think anyway. Uh, the chorus is big, um, but yeah, it's still like quite catchy. Um, I really like it's only really like it feels like it's just two chords for the whole song Um, but they still they do a lot with it and yeah it's just when you listen to it especially being you know us it does feel like it's like Epsom or Sutton or something like that like small towns small mines um, and that and the little kind of you know what what did you say like half pint thugs whatever and all this stuff like you know um, and the fact that it's like these Brexit kind of far right villages or whatever. They're just full of these gammons and all that. Yeah. Um, and all that, like, I'm just, you could just picture it. Um, so I quite enjoyed it from that angle because as well, it felt very descriptive. It felt like a bit more funny and lighthearted about it all. And it, I thought just as well, musically, um, it was a lot better. Uh, so yeah, this, I think this is probably my favorite song on the, on the album. What did you think? Yeah, I thought this was a good one. I enjoyed it. Um, my interpretation that it was more about like villages a bit further out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's because I spent a bit of the summer uh, rattling around some of the nice little villages in Surrey and West Sussex and thinking, oh, this would be a nice place to move to, get away from the riffraff. So um, lyrically, it was a bit, a bit on the nose for me. <laughs> um, but I did think, yeah, like you said, a bit more, uh, a bit more interesting uh, a bit more layered. Some good points actually made. Something to say in the uh, in the lyrics here. It did make me wonder where he lives. Well, they're from Bristol, right? I don't know if they yeah. still live there. Um, I bet when he's got some money in the bank, he'll be right out into one of those nice little middle class gentrified villages. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is what what will happen. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I quite like this song. So you know. If, it picked up a little bit for me at this halfway point. I'm glad for you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's move on to, uh, you've know, touched on that one, and let's talk about not touching uh, with Netouche Parmois, um, track seven.
Do you, did you recognize who the woman was that was singing? Because I had to look it up. No, I didn't. That's all I've written for this is, who is this lady? Who, who does she think she is? It's Jenny, <laughs> it's Jenny Beth, who's uh, the singer of Savages. You might have heard of. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought this one... So, okay, here we go. So, it's quite... It's a more direct, angry song. Fine. I quite like that. Um, And it's clearly about, like, you know, Me Too movement and all this. Um, But shouting consent (sighs) as a lyric was just, like, so on the nose, so cringe. It was really bad. And I can, I can literally see him sitting there, like, right out going, wouldn't it be great to have all these, like, guys and pissed up lager louts, whatever, just singing, like, you know, the, the country singing, yeah, consent, consent, and all that. And I was just thinking, fuck off. Like, obviously, yeah. it's an important issue and all this stuff, but it's like, it's, I don't know, like, you just be a bit more, um, like, clever about it instead of, like, this making it this weird... Um, how do I put it? Like uh rally or something. Yeah. Um, about it. And it's, you know, I don't know. I was just I was just like, this is too like I don't mind. Like the message itself, you know, great, you know, don't touch me, consent, me too, all this kind of stuff. Um but, but you can write a song around that and not just approach it with the subtle subtlety of a of a Twitter hashtag. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um and it's like I quite like the, you know, what was it like? this is my pistol for your wolf whistle or whatever. And I like that. I like those verses. They're really cool. Yeah. They work quite nicely. Um, but yeah, just like too, like too on the nose. And it's like, there's just nothing, as you said, nothing subtle or clever or smart or like, you're not saying anything with it. You're not saying anything. You're just, you know, like, what are you doing? It's just, it's easy. It's easy to do that. It's easy to like, be like, you know, don't, you know, don't kneel on necks of black people or whatever. It, is a, it does feel like talking to you about it, it does feel a bit like a tick box exercise of like, I'm hitting all the, uh, all the things that have been big on social media over the last 18 months. Yeah. I says, well, that's exactly it. It's like, oh, you know, we need to, it's like he's read like, yeah, read the paper, I don't know, or whatever. It's, it's just like, there's, there's ways of doing it and there's ways that you can actually, how do I put this? Like you can talk to people, you can talk to your audience, which is fine. You can talk to um, people who might not have that same mentality, right? Who might be these horrible, like misogynistic um, men. And uh, yeah, and there's ways of kind of making them see the error of their ways or like bringing them in so that... um, not we're not bringing them in but you know what I mean like get them thinking about stuff or telling a story in a certain way which makes them you know like believe stuff or whatever and that you know but just shouting consent 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 (laughs) I'm just like you're not I don't know what I don't know what you're doing here and also it's just adding to that loutish kind of like as you said like chanting behavior that they're all kind of cling to and you've lost the meaning behind it you've lost it um Because they, it could, you could be literally saying anything and they won't give a fuck. They won't care. Um, and, you know, it's very easy um, to, to do. It's very easy for me to say that. But, um, yeah, I was just like, yeah, as you said, it's just a bit lazy and it feels like too try hard. 
Um, and it doesn't feel honest. And I think that's the kind of main thing. It feels like, I mean, at the worst end of it, the worst case of it, it's almost exploitive of, um, of the current situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and rather than helping it, it, you know, it's more of a hint, like trying to make cash off it basically. And it's kind of what the, the, and that's a really cynical way of thinking about it, but that's that kind of what we talked about earlier about the re, um, the appropriation of like the working class, um, mm. and the struggles of the working class. And, uh, and again, it feels like an appropriation of the, um, me too movement essentially, cause it, mm. you know, um, like what's it, what's it saying? Like, and I'm all for like, you know, the protest itself and like, you know, the messaging behind it and everything fine. I get it. Um, but I don't know, this just didn't sit right with me basically, whatever that might be. Um, and maybe it's because I'm sexist. I hope it isn't. And Sexy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What did you think? Have we talked about what you thought about it? Yeah. Or have I just been well, no. pages? <laughs> <laughs> no, I pretty much agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I, that was really cringeworthy and it really put me off consent thing oh my god here we go it's rolling my eyeballs um but i met musically again um wasn't wasn't all that really it was a bit of more of a again like by the book by the numbers mm. um and they pepped it up by having a, a female singer i suppose but apparently that's not even how you say don't touch me in french but I think he came up to Jenny Beth or whatever and was like, oh yeah. And she was like, you know what? Just leave it like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it sounds quite weird like in that. French, uh, but, but that's fine. Um, I don't know. I don't speak French, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, I thought it was, um, I really liked the verse um, and what, and the lyrics of the verse as well. But yeah, just generally speaking, I was like, it's a nothing song for me really. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I'm afraid for me, the next one as well is uh, not good. Well, let's listen to it. This is carcinogenic. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why didn't you like it? Another one where I just lost interest. I got turned off because I just thought this is a loutish song about drugs. And the question I for you, is this meant to be ironic? What's going on? Yeah, I don't know, really. I've, I was kind of a bit weird about this. Um, so I've put here, it sounds like a shit early horrors song, guitar-wise. Um, and I stick by that. I think it does. Um feels very dated feels very early noughties um yeah and i don't know i quite like the lyric of like you know you only die once you never come back but i was like i don't know i just got yeah as you said it's like you know the chorus is fun um but i just got a bit bored of the messaging here um i mean the messaging's got like take drugs if you want they're really great but you might die Is is it meant to be like a message to their fan, but I don't know. It, it's, it's, again, it's all handled in such a sort of ham-fisted way. Yeah. It's hard to take it seriously. Yeah. Well, again, here I've just put um, on my notes, like patronising, pedantic. Yes. Um, and I just don't like, it's like this whole thing of like <clears throat> being in your ivory tower telling us how to like act or something. I don't know. And it's like, you know, like he, he knows and we don't or something. Um, and that kind of grates on me a little bit. Um, mm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it grating on you. <laughs> yeah, slowly. If you could see this man's face, people, you could see <laughs> like a cheese the blood grater. rising. <laughs> yeah, literally. Okay. Um, um, all right. Well, I don't really want to hang around on that song for too long. No, I'm quite happy to move on. Right. So the next one is uh, track nine, "Rains." So I quite like the <laughs> distorted, there was some like weird, like distorted feedback like mm, mm, at the beginning. I was like, oh, that's quite cool. And then it never happened, never comes back. 
I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and again, then, like, right, pull on my reins. It's talking about like blood, blue blood, like coursing through your veins. So it's like, sense, you know, for the entitled youth, I don't know, oh, not youth, whoever, like entitled people, um, like a very anti Tory song, very leftist, fine. Like, I would consider myself. Um, I would consider myself middle left more than left left now, probably these days as I'm getting older. Um, but still it's like, yeah, okay. But like, yeah, like, well done. You fucked the working classes or whatever. And it's like, yeah, okay. All right. Like, it's a little I, I, idealist. And to be honest, it's a little bit tribalistic when earlier the song, um, uh, oh God, I can't remember what song it was called now. Is it Grounds? Um, yeah, yeah, was try- was basically anti that. So the sense of you know, fuck you, you fucked everyone over, and it's like, oh, okay, because I voted Tory. I didn't vote Tory, but as in like, you know, like, oh, you're all scum and you fucked everything up. You fucked the working class, which is a bit different from earlier when he was like, look, we're all in it. We're unified together, um, yeah. even though we're different we're all together. And it's like, well, which which is it? <laughs> Like, are you, are you trying to, like, exclude anyone who feels like they're a Tory? Or are you trying to be like, look, it doesn't matter where you're from, what, you're, what, you know, what your political leaning is or whatever, we're all, you know, together. And it's like, well, it's one, it's one or the other. You can be tribalistic or non-tribalistic, but to sing about both in the space of a few songs just feels a little um, weird to me. And also there's, it's always like that, I don't know, like it's a problem not to get too political, but um, it's sometimes that problem of the extreme left where they take that like morally virtuous ground. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's very easy to do that, basically. Like, you know, save the poor people, poor, you know, save the hungry. So like, yeah, no shit. Like, yeah, because, you know, we're all human end yeah. of the day and to be like sloganistic rubbish yeah exactly and it's like to be like you know i don't know like you're a tory or you you're born rich you fucked everyone over or whatever and all this stuff it's like again i'm just like it's that working class resentment um which isn't necessarily healthy anyway but also doesn't really do anything or help anything and it's not really like tackling the issue do you know mm. what I mean by saying like you know fuck you you rich entitled pieces of shit you fucked us all up um, and again it to me it seemed so cliched and this was a song where I really it really galvanised in my head that I don't like these lyrics um, to me it sounds like he's just heard maybe some kind of punk band from the Thatcherite era mm. Maybe he's heard the UK subs or something or charge GBH. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone, oh great, yeah, I'm going to write something as well. Like, oh, you blue bloods grind, grinding us down, working class. Um, really mind-numbing. Yeah. Well, and that's it as well. And again, it kind of fit, fits into that cynical thing of like, is he thinking this is what people want to hear? Essentially, mm. is this what will sell? Yeah. Might not necessarily be thinking specifically, is this what will sell? But it's definitely... I feel like an element of like, this is what I need. This is what they're expecting. This is what I need to sing about. Cause this is what people seem to be like resonating with. Yeah, maybe. And it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like proper. And I think there's an element here. I just feel like a little bit like maybe cheated from the last album. Um, I don't know. I mean, as a, as a song, as, as I was saying, it's like, it's okay. 
Musically, um, what did you think? Yeah, I don't think it's particularly innovative. I think it's a bit of a cheap song, to be honest, like all round. Um, I thought this sounded like it could be a single, uh, f- probably for that same reason. Oh, really? I thought well, it, it had quite a good, like the chorus was quite good and it felt quite big and exciting. It felt like a bit more of a, a hooky kind mm-hmm. of chorus. Um, I did like, again, like the drums on here. Uh, let's go back to that. I think my favourite thing about this whole album has been the drums and the drum sound. Yeah. Um, it's got this real like gunfire kind of like snare Mets. on the verses, especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I should have looked up who the producer is here because um, they've done something special, I think. So, someone called like Dirty Rick or something. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, it's funny you say it about it being a single because I believe that. So before the album came um, out, not in this order, I can't remember the order, but Grounds, Mr. Motivator, Model Village came out and I think they put up a post saying, oh, should we release another track before the album or should we wait? And that track was going to be Reigns and basically everyone said, no, let's just wait for the album. (laughs) And I remember thinking, yeah, fair enough, because it's like then you've got one, two, like three, four, like tracks before you've even heard the album. It's like, well, that's like one third of the album before it's even come out. So I imagine people... um, it's weird to be voting like I want less music. I'll wait, please. Um, don't need to. Don't need to release it. Yet. It's weird. Um, yeah, so they didn't release Reigns, but I think that was what it was going to be. Um, I think that's um, the story anyway. Apparently, the producers are Adam Greenspan and uh, Nick Launay. No, it's not who I was thinking of then. Um, Maybe mm, don't know. I heard that as well. Um, yeah, not sure. Oh, here um, we go. Right, sorry, it's not the producer. Additional programming provided by Kenny Beats. Right, that's it. Yeah, Kenny Beats. So maybe he has. Is he uh, from uh, People Just Do Nothing? Do you ever watch that? No. Okay. Right. What's Pe- this? People, what's these people who watch that? It's a for you guys that don't know. People Just Do Nothing is basically The Office if it was about a young grime. Um, act uh, or not grime sorry at all it's not grime it's a uh, garage which is okay. by the way like 30 years old or whatever from when it was popular um, <laughs> but it's really really funny it's really good um, and there's a character in it called Bees that's it um, <laughs> well I'm guessing he must have done something maybe subtly because they don't sound like electronic beats but someone's processed those drums a bit yeah maybe I think, um, yeah, I don't know. They do sound quite crisp and nice. Um, okay, well, let's move on to track 10. And this one's for you, Dan. It's called The Lover. Again, it's like 
this chorus like da, da, da. it's really 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 like pushing the envelope for being obnoxious and nasty uh, so yeah that's always something that i like but it's like, you know in a in a kind of like comical comical fashion in how far it went mm. um i enjoyed this one i think this is the first one i've enjoyed since uh model village so mm-hmm. at this point i was like oh, okay good i'm kind of like hooked back in and i'll see this through Okay. Yeah, interesting. So um, I had a bit of a problem with this one. Oh, dear. As well as you can imagine. Um, I, d- I didn't mind it as a song. Uh, and yeah, that da, 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 don't it feel good, whatever. Quite childlike. But I was like, I'm, I'm all right. I'll get, I'll get along with that. Um, I believe it's kind of like a big, like, fuck you to the critics and stuff. Um, and I always feel like, if you do a song that's like fuck you to your critics and stuff, it's a bit childish in itself. Um, it's a bit of a weird thing to do. Like when rappers Get in do the it. Ring, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, like, yeah, fuck you. We're just who we are. And you know, you know, fuck you. I'm a lover. Like, you know, huh, you know, I'm not this like hooligan that you think I am or whatever. Like, yeah, fuck those guys. Um, but I always think it's rather uninspired. Like the fact that it comes from that, kind of place I don't know it's like almost like why even bother like is that like is that what's going on in your life that it's like yeah we've got to deal with the critics man I'm going to have all these all these people chanting eat shit and they're all my fans they're going to be singing eat shit eat shit and it's going to be to all my critics and it's like yeah yeah all right well done um does that make your cock feel massive brilliant um (laughs) I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I didn't take heed of the uh, lyrics actually, so I didn't pick up on any of that. But just chanting "eat shit," like, oh my god! Like it's just again, it's like feeding into that whole like mob mentality. So it's, like it's nothing. Do. It's nothing clever or like. It's like it's not cool. Yeah. Is it cool? I don't know. It doesn't feel cool to me. It feels stupid. Um, and yeah, I don't know, it just made me cringe, and it just I just wanted to be like. You know, even though I think he's only like a year younger than me, just like, you know, why don't you just be quiet, little boy, and sit <laughs> sit down. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, no, just focus on what you're good at. Why make a song about fuck the critics? Like, just do a good song. Yeah. So the song's all right, like, in itself, but it's like, you know, it's too, it's too much. Of, I don't know. It's just like, don't like it. <laughs> just felt like you could just do a focus your attention on doing good work, and that is the ultimate fuck you to the critics. Rather than take uh, take heed of your own your own album title, joys and acts of resistance. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I think I read somewhere as well that like they went into like recording this album thinking, right, we're going to make like one of the best um, rock albums ever. Um, and I was thinking, did they at some point they hmm. decided to change those plans? <laughs> Well, yeah, well, yeah, but also it's like, uh, I think there's something in like humility, especially when it comes to art and stuff mm. um, and going in with like the big swinging dick or something Yeah, yeah. Uh, is not necessarily the right way to go. It's all right if you're an 80s hair metal band or What's something it? and that's the kind of thing you're doing, but it's like, this is supposed to be a very, this isn't that, and it's not punk either. And I know that it we're smells not, we're of not Guns punk. And Roses. Yeah, exactly. We're not punk, actually. It's like, okay. But everyone else thinks that you're punk. (laughs) 
It's like people are listening to it and going, that sounds like punk music. You might not think it is. That's great. But the general public up there, out there think it is. And what you're doing by chanting these stupid fucking lyrics is like, you know, going in saying, I'm going to make the best rock album ever. I get it. Confidence, swagger or whatever. But um, yeah, it doesn't feel right to me. Ah, dear. Um, a Hymn is the next song. Yeah. Dan, just just quickly before we go on to a hymn, does it does talking to me make you feel like I'm I'm ruining this album for you? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I I suppose I didn't. Well, I didn't pay as much attention to the lyrics. Um. Well, we'll see. We'll see when I do do my final review. Okay, all right. You're definitely opening my eyes more <laughs> to Clockwork <laughs> Orange style. Yeah. I still think. I think I've probably enjoyed it musically more than you have. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, the lyrics are not good. Mm. Um, okay, well, let's move on to a hymn. the end of the album put a slow one in um, but I did I thought it was quite good uh, again not not particularly remarkable but it's a bit darker than some of the other ones and I liked it it's just kind of like slow unwinding uh, to bring you to the uh, the final denouement mm. but um, beyond that it was okay so this is one of my better songs I thought on the album and not necessarily as a song but also I I felt like this inspired a little hope within me basically Um, it felt much more in line with what I was expecting Um, and I really felt like it needed this track especially after the last one it's like okay we're back on track now with like some like personal like heartfelt kind of like yeah as you said it's dark um but this is the idols that I was expecting. It's more reflective, more honest, mm. experimental, and it's unafraid to put a sweet, sad song there. And I'm like, yes, that is what you do. That is what is being an interesting band. Um, and yeah, it just shows off their talent a bit more. Like just the line, like, you know, I want to be loved. Everybody does. And then just, you know, shame again. I was like, again, it's like this clever kind of Morrissey like, vignettes and feelings and wordplay or whatever where it's like um it's slightly melancholy but it's doing it um yeah and like so for so for surfer extraordinaire like things like that it's like i like that that's a, like it's a bit more poet po- um bit more poetry to it mm-hmm. um and it's it conjures up 
it's conjuring by just having those three words, you've conjured up a lot more than you would have done on an, an emotional level than you would have done with just like eat shit. Do you know what I mean? Or consent. Do you know what I mean? It's just, and it's not, and it's like, it's not like he hasn't got the talent to do stuff like that. Um, cause this is proof of it. Um, you know, what was it like Lambert's ash in my falling hair? Just that idea of like getting old, like age, death, loneliness and stuff like that. But it's doing, it's tackling those big subjects in a very small, specific way. Mm. Um, and that's what I liked about it. And it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's a slower song and that's fine because that's what I like about them is that they can do the slower songs. Um, and it feels like the last one was just, you know, catering for the crowd. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, you, you never, you should, you never listen to the angry mob. Basically a, a mob is always wrong. <laughs> um, and having these like small personal moments are actually what's key. And so for me, this kind of did save it a little bit. Um, and it's come very late. So you yeah. said it's given you hope. You're putting a lot of hope into the last song, salvaging this whole album for you. Yeah. Well, it's more like hope just for their future, generally. It's like, you know, and that's the thing is that when we go through the reviews, but a lot of people have like jizzed all over this album. And I'm like, I'm like, are they doing it because of like the hype? Um, and I found out like, some Probably. good reviews about it, um, actually specifically talking about that. Um, but yeah, we'll kind of come on to that. But yeah, sorry. So the next one is... Danke. Track 12, the final track. man trilingual because <laughs> he's, he's done his French song now he's got his German one mm. so I don't know if you realise this but um, this takes lyrics from Daniel Johnston's True Love Will Find You In The End mm. and I was a bit taken aback really because I wasn't quite sure if he was paying homage to that or if he's taking that and sort of subverting it, it's a little bit sardonic. Um, so I got a bit wrapped up in that and I didn't pay too much attention to the song. <laughs> I thought it seems okay. Um, but I thought I'd throw that out there and see what you thought about that. Yeah, so I did notice that Daniel Johnson bit. Um, only because really very recently, like I just started listening to him more. Um, yeah. and then I actually, um, read, I was, I thought I'd heard this before and then I read, yeah, he'd actually stolen it, um, stolen it, like whatever, reappropriate, whatever you want to call it. But, um, I think he's done that before with some other songs as well. Um, and yeah, I'm like, mm, I don't know what to think about it, basically. It's like, mm. I do kind of think, oh, it's kind of taking, I guess it's like a semantics thing where it's like, it's taking how you felt about that lyric in that song. If you're even aware of that song and pushing it into something else and 
it's the same way of maybe like using a sample in electronic music or something. It's like taking, yeah. putting like a new spin on something or putting it in a situation different from its original context, which might make you think about it differently. That's is fine. he using it in a? Is it heartfelt or is he? Is he subverting that? Is he using it cynically? Yeah, and that's and I don't. Well, to be pretty honest, I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also an element where like people aren't going to know that. So they might just think, you know, oh, what a lovely, they might have it tattooed on their arm or something with like <laughs> idols next to it. And it's like, well, it's not actually his lyric. Like there's nothing, you know, like when you do stuff like that, unless it's like a massive hit or whatever, then I'm just like, well, you know, okay, is it like a tribute, like a little nod? Or is it just out and out? I really like that line and I'm just going to take it. And then it works for both. People who don't know it will just think it's a great line. People who do I think it's a little like you can't like it's a win win, maybe. It's um, like that thing from the office where um what's his uh, Michael Michael Scott is the Michael one, Scott one that's I think on the whiteboard with hundred percent of the shots you don't take, you miss or whatever it is. Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky or whatever. Michael Scott. True love will find you in the end, Daniel Johnston, and then in quotes Joe Talbot. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it does feel like that. Um, The fact it's just called Danker, thank you, suggests to me it might be sincere and it's a bit of a kind of, I don't know, it feels like a, almost like an epitaph for this album, Mm. like a little, like a, or an epilogue. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I also think the fact that it's like, that's in German. Um, and then you've got that one in shitty French earlier. I'm just like, it's a bit wanky. Well, well, that's kind of what I was yeah, suggesting at the start when I said, oh, yeah. he's got his trilingual talents on display. Yeah, when he's not, I don't think, he, well, clearly not like trilingual. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. Like as a song, I put, I put it like, it's a good guitar sound. It sounds like an aggressive math rock, which I was quite mm-hmm. intrigued by. I was like, okay, that's interesting. No one's really, no one's really done that. Um, but yeah, so it's a cool build up of sound. And I think it's quite a nice closer actually. It's got the, yeah some big drum sounds, some experimental stuff kind of going on. Um, and I like the idea of like, lyrically at least, like the idea of like supporting someone to fail. Um, like, you know, like that backhanded compliment of like, I will help you realise your dreams, even though I know you will never get there. Yeah. Um, which I thought was quite cool. Um, and then it just ends, like it doesn't even have an ending, it just stops. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was an okay closer. Um, it was all right. Mm. It was all right. I agree with you. It was all right. Yeah. Um, and with that... Mm. The album concludes. Yeah. So Dan, getting, little Sammy, <laughs> feeling pretty disappointed, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't know if that came through from what I've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, generally speaking, I was a bit disappointed. I mean, it was fine. Like, you know, I've heard worse albums from bands that I've been excited to hear from, if that makes sense. Um, like, you know, you get... You, know, you hear a great album and you think, oh God, what's the next one's going to be like? Is it going to match it? Um, and this didn't match it. But at the same time, I was like, it didn't completely fail. Um, I'm just more worried about um, the direct, well, the direction and the intent almost behind it. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like it's yeah. like almost sullied my view of the band generally. 
um, which I really hope is not the case, but who knows? Um, yeah, I don't know. Should we give our final impressions then? Yeah. Yeah. Before know. we go to Nerd Corner? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember what we did. I can't remember how we do this. How do we do it? Who are we? Um, let's, do our, let's do our final impressions then. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to Nerd Corner and then we'll, okay. do, we'll do other people's reviews and what they thought about it. Um, well, um, I'd like you to give your final impression as Billy Idol. Oh, how the fuck does Billy um, Idol talk? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just <laughs> maybe just sing White Wedding. Um, I'll let you have a think about how you're going to do that while I give my final impressions. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I obviously went in with a lower bar than you and lower expectations. Um, so I was actually quite pleasantly surprised. Um, I did zone in on like not liking the lyrics and finding that pretty eye-rolling and cringeworthy. And I think through our discussion, I've come to realise that it's far, far more endemic than I realised. Um, and I think that would definitely, um, you know, affect my enjoyment of this band going forward. And I'm not sure I'll probably listen to this album too much again. Um, that said, I did think musically there was more here than I and I thought there'd, there'd be. You know, at some point, some of these songs were genuinely nasty and there was a, a really, like, mean attitude, like, steeped throughout the writing and the playing um, and some of the production that really kind of, like, pushed that into the red, made it really quite violent and visceral. Um, so I loved all of that. And I loved David Yao's guest spot, although... I had a look online and I think there's like three or four songs that he's on. So I totally missed him on most of them. Um, but That's anything weird. with him is a, is a sort of treat for me. Um, so all in all, I think maybe there'd be like three songs here that have some replay value for me. Um, but I, mean, I, was, I was looking, when I was researching for Nerd Corner coming up, um, I found some nice additions and I was thinking about buying a copy Mm. Um, but I've I've gone off it now that that idea. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, okay, I'm going to try and do this as Billy Idol. Um, yeah, generally sounds like a bunch of songs that could have been. I don't know. I've gone Australian. Australian. <laughs> Tell us about it, Cobber. Yeah, yeah. Generally sounds like a bunch of songs because he he's English, isn't he? Yeah. God, fucking, hell, this is actually really tough. He's a bit nasal as well, which I'm pretty, you know, I've got quite a nasal voice anyway. Yeah, generally sounds like a bunch of songs that could have done with some more time and work. Doesn't feel like they particularly pushed themselves. A bit more like, you know, right, that's the song. Next, not questioned it. Just feels a bit lazy. Um, Lyrically, don't think it's nearly as inspiring or personal. It's the last thing. Uh, When he he talks in generalisations, it loses much more of the depth for the individual honesty that, you know, comes with art. It's like, you know, this is what he's expected to say rather than what he wants to say. Um, musically, it's all right. I think it could have been a bit more varied, you know. Um, and overall, it's a bit of a disappointment, really. Um, much like everything else after Rebel Yell. Um, <laughs> uh, kill your idols. <laughs> Billy Idol. That was Billy well, Idol. Thanks, Billy. That's a, a, a nice nihilistic point to put on the end there of your, uh, your review. <laughs> 
let me say, I'm one of the few people who thinks your 1980s uh, assault on the UK pop charts was better than your your punk beginnings in Generation X. Uh, my assault in the 80s of your arsehole was something you should be <laughs> more worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Let us make a beeline for Nerd Corner. All right, quickly. <laughs> ah, Nerd Corner, here we are. It's so magical. It is magical because we've got lots of different splendid editions here in Nerd Corner. Um, um, what's this on the wall? Is that, is that a glory hole? Have you put a glory hole in here? I beg your pardon. Have you put a glory hole in there, the corner? <laughs> this isn't just for you. <laughs> just for you. <laughs> Other people have to use this as well. <laughs> I, don't spend, that, I don't spend all my time in between episodes just sitting in the corner. Is that, is that really the width of your dick? It's tiny. Can you, What's it? but, if you're not going to behave, you, can't, you, you can get out. I won't invite you in here anymore. Is that well, what you want? Well, no, just, you know, there's a whole room here. Don't, don't know what you... It's this secret dirty little perv corner. It's this nerd corner. All right, fine. Okay, go on. What's, what's here? Talk me through it. <laughs> I'll pretend I didn't see it. All right. Nerd corner with idols, Ultramono. Now... As you would expect with an album that's had so much hype, there are lots of different vinyl variants of this record. To capitalise on that frothing excitement. <laughs> so, Sam, I'm going to tell you what's out there. Mm. And uh, which of these would have uh, excited your sensibilities okay. before you'd heard the album? Um, there was a deluxe version which came in a like a, a gatefold packaging mm-hmm. with some kind of debossed catalogue, um, which apparently features photography by Joe's dad. Right. He's an artist, I believe, as well. Yeah, I don't think he's just a hobbyist. Mm. <laughs> Although that would be great. I love the idea of someone to be like, yeah, special edition, we'll give them some photos by dad. <laughs> Here's me and your mum in the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Is, uh, I went fishing last week. You know, look at the size of that. That's good. And this is from where the, you, the, you were conceived on this holiday. And there's one <laughs> There's one of your mum tied to the bed. That's your <laughs> mum's tits. <laughs> Shouldn't say that. She, she died, didn't she? So, yeah. well, everyone's going to die someday. So. so it's all fair game. Um, so there's that one. Then there's your standard black vinyl. Um and there's also this one that's really cool. I think this is the best vortex, black and white vortex. So it's this kind of like swirl. And that looks really nice. And both of those um, seem to come either like with the covers signed by the band mm. or they have um, like an art print inserted. Um, and a lot of those have been signed as well. Okay. So that's quite cool. But I don't think there's any way of distinguishing whether it's signed or not. So you just have to go to an actual shop if you're uh, if you're concerned about that. Um, Rough Trade have got an exclusive 
uh, edition, 1,500 copies, um, on a clear vinyl platter with black yolk. Okay. So you know, you know, you know what a yolk looks like. Basically, it's like where it's mostly one color, Egg. and then in in the middle, <laughs> in the middle, there's like a splot. Right. So this one's clear with a black splot. Okay. Um, and what's quite cool about that one as well is that it comes with a bonus uh, CD, right? Um, called Ultra Stereo, right? Um, and it's a compilation that he's put together of what? Um, of looks to be anything he wanted. Hmm. It's like a little bit of a playlist mixtape sort of thing. Weird. I guess it's like influences. And... Can you sell that? Sell the um, people's music? I, I guess Rough Trade have like licensed all the songs that they needed okay. for it. A bit like uh, a bit like Telstar used to do back in the day with their successful Now That's What I Call Music series. Mm. Okay. This is like this is like now what Joe calls music. Um, right. But if you're a big fan, that is like a nice little extra to have, I think. Yeah, yeah. If you plump for that addition. Yeah, um, and then the one that got people really excited um, was they've done a mono mix of this album. So I mean that's pretty unusual, right? Um, and what they've done is why people are excited is because that has been then mastered by Bernie Grunman, right, and Bernie that? Grunman's like a big, a big name in that side of the business, the uh, you know, the mixing and mastering. Okay, um, and usually if if he's involved, that's a, a stamp of a, like high quality. Um, so people are excited because they're like, wow, it's going to be like, say, perfectly balanced and blah, blah, blah. Proper mono mix mastered for vinyl. Um, and But then the thing about it is, like, if you are an audiophile, generally you want stuff on black vinyl because that's the best quality. You know, when you get coloured and these novelty kind of colours and pressings, you generally lose fidelity. Mm. And people say that the worst thing you can have is clear. Okay. Clear vinyl the sound reproduction. So this is this is on clear vinyl. And the whole concept is this, this whole thing is clear. Right. Um, so it doesn't come in a normal sleeve. It comes in a clear PVC sleeve. Mm. Um, and it's like hard plastic. And I've seen tons of people com- complaining that this plastic thing's like turned up broken or split. And it's really bad for vinyl as well because it'll scratch the vinyl. Yeah, scratch it, yeah. Um, and I, I looked online and there's loads of angry people that have received this, like lots of them. Um, so much so, there are only 5,000 copies of this and apparently like a one-time thing. Um, but they've obviously had to press more because so many people are complaining and they are managing to get replacements. Okay. That's so weird. Why would they do it in hard plastic? Because I suppose it's like the novelty of the packaging. Um, but this is this is the thing about being like a record collector. Sometimes you make decisions based on it, what looks the nicest mm. versus what's actually practical and going to sound the best. Um, but I mean, they could have found ways around it. Yeah. It sounds like a bit of a... I mean, people were annoyed. It was, it was expensive as well. Um, so they're right to be annoyed that then, you know, it's a bit sloppy, sloppy hastily put together, I guess. Yeah. All those working class heroes having to take out that money. Um, okay, cool. Anything else for Nerd Corner? No, that's your lot. That's uh, nice. 
plenty to enjoy there if you're a record collector. Yeah, some good stuff there. Um, so then I'm going to go to some reviews. I haven't got many user reviews. Instead, I've gone to actual press reviews. Okay. Um, and I'm going to, there's a couple that are good. Um, and yeah, we'll ju- I'll just talk you through it. But this is what um, Pitchfork said. Uh, it said, with Ultra Mono, um, oh wait, hold on, before we do this, I have to do the, have to do the jingle. Let's put the jingle in. So yeah, this is what Pitchfork said. With Ultra Mono, idols trump up the social values while continuing to occupy a peculiar British tradition. Ornery blokes from from outside the capital charismatically proclaiming moral truths in a tone that suggests they could also annihilate you in a bar fight. This thing goes over particularly well at festivals. Such groups embody the infinite promise of working class rage, never mind their actual background, which can feel refreshing since British class commentary rarely rises above vague talk of metropolitan elites and ordinary voters. In a war of subtext, we appreciate those brave or stupid enough to carry a megaphone. The thrills and perils of flouting this social contract play out on Ultra Mono Centerpiece Model Village, where shouter songwriter Joe Talbot rails against the fictional village's latent fascism, provincialist racism, tabloid-fueled alarmism and other moronic English values. In the process, he characterises his villagers as half-pint thugs and nine-fingered boys, which inevitably feels a bit patronising. Still, his willingness to slip into class stereotypes clarifies Idol's political position, charitably as a conduit for proletarian anger, but primarily as a vent for the sort of leftists who can't decide whether to valorise the uh, working class or furiously condemn it for the calamities of Brexit and Boris Johnson. (laughs) I thought that was quite... On point as well with what we were kind of saying. Yeah, earlier. very good. Um, the Quietus. Uh, oh, did they? Is that was that it? Did they go on to say any more? There was a, there's a massive thing. That's just me taking mm. a bit out of what it. What did they? Uh, what did they score it? I can't. I don't think they do scores anymore. I don't know. Um, I haven't got it written down actually. Uh, the Quietus, I think, gave it two five. <gasps> Pitchfork gave it 5.5. Out of... That's quite... Uh, out of 10. That's quite right. rough. Yeah. Okay, that's probably why I picked it then. I just didn't write down the score. Sorry. It's rough. Um, the Quietus. Idols and other folk who followed in the footsteps of Sleaford Mods and Fat White Family have been praised for challenging masculinity. But to do this in such a routinely chest-beating way seems self-defeating. In the post-punk years, Glasgow-based bands like Orange Juice reacted against the overt mach- machis- machismo. I don't even know how to say it. Machismo? Machismo. Is that right? Machismo. Machismo. Um, of their city and wider culture in general by making music and dressing in a way that was radically gentle. An exaggerated wimpiness, as Simon Reynolds called it. That seems a cleverer and probably more productive and inclusive way to do, to defy macho nonsense than stripping down to your briefs as mustachioed idols guitarist Mark Bowen does at every opportunity, uh, chanting like a hooligan, Talbot's default mode, and writing songs to generically bellowing, um, so generically bellowing, they could be filed, uh, they could be filed, sorry, under Sham 69. Three albums in and the hype has died down. The ideas are drying up. The lack of substance is wholly exposed. It's time for the critics, what remains of them, to remove the gloves. Uh, Totally on point. Yeah. 
I kind of was reading that going, yeah, it's, and that's what I mean. It's kind of feeling like this album is almost like sullied what has happened before it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Kerrang, I think it gave it four out of five. Always on the front foot, bloodied but unbowed. Idols are a claustrophobic, relentless, airtight and pulverizing machine of perpetual motion. That they are able to keep themselves airborne throughout Ultramano is testament to the art and skill that lies behind such an unstinting display of brazen contempt. The effect is akin to being waterboarded by music. The album ends <laughs> and we go, wait, what just happened? But the point of it all is revealed in Danke. The final song, True Love Will Find You In The End, they sing, you will find out just who was your friend. In other words, which side do you want, boys and girls? And what we were talking about, they don't credit it to Daniel Johnson. He's taken that Outrageous. as a where are they finding these hacks? Mm. That was Kerrang. And yeah, four out of five, Kerrang do love idols. But um, yeah, that was it. So I think there's some interesting stuff kind of going on there. Very verbose, isn't it, for reviews these days? <laughs> there's, um, I just found a, a line from the Pitchfork review as well. Mm. I quite like. Ultra Mono charges into the discourse like a hobbyist at a rally. It's not listening, just shouting. Not radical, but restless. Not bad, just unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that was it, really. Um, not a bad album. Not a great album. And, in fact, um, just disappointing musically, but disappointing also in terms of how I've perceived the band. Has that killed your interest in them? Mm, a little bit. I think it's more like, okay, I've seen this. Let's see what's next. Like... And then I'm going to judge it on that. So if the next mm. album is more like this or whatever, um, or if I feel it's like quite fake, then I'll be like, okay, I'm probably going to jump off now. Thanks. And um, it's put their previous work in a, in a new light for you. Yeah, which I really, really, really didn't want it to do. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm being, maybe I'm taking it all to heart <laughs> a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just didn't really think it was that great. Well, oh, what a downer to end it on. What a downer, because I thought I thought this was going to be a fun one. Hot <laughs> album you were anticipating. Yeah, well, so did I. Um, but I think it's, you know, just being honest, aren't we? You let us down, idols. Yeah. You let us down. Let us down. But then, you know, what do they care? And that's the thing as well, like, you know, when it's like, oh, fuck the critics or whatever, and like loads and loads of publications have like really loved the album and latched onto it and think it's great. Fine. But it's like, you know, it's okay. You know, not everything's great. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, fuck the critics, fuck the critics. It's like, oh, yeah. So you just want to be in this echo chamber of just positive feedback, which will lead to like the death of everything, <laughs> of death of art. Um, mm. Anyway. Um, Do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go away and I'm going to have a listen to some Sham 69 and listen to this kind of things unproperly. Yeah. We're going down the pub. <laughs> I do like that song. Come on. Come on. Hurry um, up, Sammy. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. Like, I was really hoping it would be, I mean, another thing, like, sorry, I know everyone's probably waiting for this to end, but they're number one at the moment. This album's number one. It's selling more than the next three or four albums I think really com- combined yeah well there you go yeah 
So they're doing, they're doing well out of this. this they're, not, they're no longer a, like cult hit. They are now a mainstream fucking number one album. It's validated band. their approach, unfortunately. Yeah. That's it. It's like, that's all you got to do, isn't it? Wave the banner and... This is it. And there's going to be like... Just come up 12, with sloganistic songs. Yeah. It's going to be like 12 or 13 year olds going like, eat shit, eat shit. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> How old are these guys in this band? Just a few years they're like our, They're like our age. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, so good luck to them. Um, all right, well, that's it, I guess, for this one. And we're going to be um, returning to what the original intent was, um, which was Itchy the Killer, which we've already recorded. We recorded it ages yeah. ago. Um, but you're not going to hear that till next week. Goody for you. Um, and yeah, we will uh, see you next time. Oh, and by the way, the you can go to our website now, a newwinter.net, because some bastard basically won't give me a newwinter.com back. Um, so, you know, feel free to harass whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> See if we can get it back. But a newwinter.net is where it is if you want to go check out the website. It's not much on there. It's just talking about the different podcasts, but it might be nice just to have a look. Um, and if you want some music reviews and look at some new vinyl and some old vinyl, you can go and check out my refreshed YouTube page, Dreadful Dan's Discs, and also on my Instagram, uh, which is the same. <laughs> so go check it out. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, guys. We're part of a New Winter group, so head on over to newwinter.com to check out our other shows. Go to patreon.com slash newwinter to support the network. You can email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com and follow this and our other shows on Twitter and Instagram at a new winter. So, see you next time on The Oddcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.